And over the past year, we've had a lot of babies, right, born into our community. And that's why we've been celebrating our babies too. Uh, babies, they bring joy and delight. And there's something about them that brings smiles to our faces. Babies represent a new promise, the promise of something good. You know, each of our lives, we're brought into this world with this promise. And that's how precious, I think, each life is. We were all brought into this world with the promise of something good that would come from our life and our existence. But as we go through life, sometimes this promise just seems to fade. You know, we get hurt. We experience aches in our hearts. We suffer setbacks and disappointments. And that promise becomes more distant. And often we feel kind of alone going about in this world with this weight on our shoulders. But God does not forget this promise. And I believe that God has carried each and every one of us to where we are today. You know, we've each gone through our own experiences, but through it all, God has delivered us from the many dangers, toils, and snares. And we know this, and so we declare this when we gather each week. But still, sometimes we feel lost in this life and this world. We don't know where we're going or exactly how it is we're supposed to live. You know, there are many voices telling us what to do or where to go, but we don't have firm grounding. And this was the story of Israel leading up to today's passage. You know, the passage that Brim read for us, it's the famous Ten Commandments. We've seen them all before, right? And reading them on their own just makes it seem like it's a collection of rules. But these commandments cannot be properly understood without understanding the story that surrounds it. And the story behind it is that of Israel and God's promise. We reflected last week right, on the promise that God made to Abraham. And this was the promise that God made. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So in Genesis, God's promise manifested in the lives of Abraham, his son Isaac, and his son Jacob, and his son Joseph. Four generations. You know, each life was so different, and they faced different challenges, and they took a different shape. But God's promise was alive in each of their stories. But by the time we get to the book of Exodus, many generations had passed. Jacob's descendants had settled in Egypt and became very numerous. And the book begins with an ominous note. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. 
a once prolific people, became slaves in Egypt. And instead of promise, there was suffering. A promise that once seemed so alive and vibrant now seemed to have disappeared with the passing of generations. But God did not forget his promise. God came to Moses in a burning bush and with his mighty hand rescued and delivered the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. With wonderful signs and awesome acts of power. I mean, he parted the sea. Right? God brought the Israelites from bondage to freedom. The Israelites were free, but they were lost. They didn't know where to go or how to live as free people. So instead, they ended up wandering around in the desert. Their circumstances had changed, but they had not. They still had the mindset of slaves. They were full of fear. When things became difficult, they wanted to go back to familiar circumstances. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? They didn't know who they were. They didn't know whose they were. They had no compass, no anchor to give them direction. And without that anchor, they sought security in what was familiar and gave them food, even if that meant going back into bondage. You know, I'm a parent. A lot of us are parents. We raise our children to prepare them for life in this world. You know, when they're really young, uh, we focus just on keeping them safe and healthy. It's like mom's stressed out here and there, but what to feed them and how to make uh, those, like, uh, I forget all the terminology now, you know, like the soft foods and, uh, you know. But as they grow older, we try to guide them and shape their values and what's important to them. We set limits and rules for their own good based on what we think is important. Our hope is that they will live in accordance to what is important to us. But ultimately, we know that they must choose for themselves how they will live and who they will become. I mean, we can't force them to live as we want. Children make their own choices, sometimes to our chagrin. But if there is love and a modeling of our values, the relationship that children have with their parents becomes an anchor or compass. They know whose they are and who they are. And this relationship is what anchors us and makes us feel more secure in an insecure world. And so that's why when we lose our parents or loved ones, it feels like we're losing an anchor. And that's why we rely on the memory of that relationship to replace the flesh and blood relationship we had. When our relationship has been strong and rooted in love, we want to honor that and honor what was important to that person and live as best as we can according to it. 
Israel did not yet have this relationship with God. I mean, God had indeed done mighty deeds to rescue them from slavery. But it was still a one-way relationship. You know, the story of liberation from Egypt is a powerful story that has provided inspiration for many suffering people in the world. African-American slaves, even Koreans during colonial times, many people who are in bondage. But for the people of Israel, what was even more important, perhaps, was what took place at Mount Sinai. And that's where this passage takes place today, on Mount Sinai. Because there, they met God. At Mount Sinai, the people cemented their relationship with God. At Mount Sinai, a ragtag group of fugitives became the people of God. Now, the Ten Commandments begins with these first words from God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God was their personal God, who initiated this relationship by coming to Israel's rescue. You know, the whole story of the Bible, in a nutshell, is about God, who always pursues a relationship with humankind. A God who loves us, delivers us, and pursues us to make us his own. And so God's summoning of the people to Mount Sinai was to say this, You are my people. And as my people, this is how I want you to live. This is what God said when he told Moses to gather all the people at Mount Sinai. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. God laid claim on his people and set them apart for a specific purpose. God delivered Israel to make them his people and to invite them to help fulfill God's promise to the world. You see, God's promise to Abraham was ultimately for the blessing of the world. And they were now to be partners in fulfilling God's promise by living according to God's ways. The commandments articulated this. I mean, Jesus summarizes so beautifully to love God and to love their neighbor and to practice these things intentionally as a community by setting aside a day each week to take a break from the competition, striving, and clashing of wills that one partakes in throughout the week, and rest in the goodness of God. The foundation of the Ten Commandments is a deep relationship with God. A one-way promise becoming a two-way covenant as the people respond to God's initiating love. 
at Mount Sinai, they discovered who they were and whose they were. And this identity was to be their anchor and compass once they entered the promised land. You are God's people. If you are going through turbulent challenges, which many people are, wait on God. God will bear you on eagles' wings and deliver you from trouble. If you're going through worries and anxieties, remember God who has delivered you in the past and surely will again. Our God pursues you and makes his claim over you. You are God's beloved. The Israelites met God at Sinai in the wilderness. You know, they met God between bondage and the promised land. You know, this experience didn't happen in the promised land. And as I reflected on it, I realized, I believe if they had gone straight from slavery into the promised land, they would have been lost to history. Not knowing who they were or whose they were, they would have simply melted into the local populations and disappeared. But I thank God that in the wilderness, they met God and were forever changed. I mean, some of our praise songs are beautiful, right? Forever I am changed by your love and the beauty of your majesty. That's what happened at Sinai in the wilderness. I mean, they weren't perfect after that. They continued to stumble. They worshipped the golden calf for heaven's sake, right? But they were still changed because they were in relationship with God who would continuously forgive, continuously pursue, and continuously love. Now, we have been in the wilderness for a while now. I realize next Sunday will be the one-year mark where we canceled our in-person services and when all of life as we knew it ended. And for one year, we've gone through ups and downs, trying to figure things out and make our way. I've gone through so much. We see hope on the horizon as new vaccines get approved and supply increases. And I do hope for a speedy return to life so we can meet with one another, greet with one another, have fellowship, and so I can get a haircut. You know what I'm saying? Like, But I pray that we can enter this promised land as God's people, as those anchored in knowing who we are and whose we are. We are in the middle of the Lent season. It is the period we reflect on God's love shown through us, to us through Jesus Christ, as Brim beautifully prayed. Once again, God has initiated his pursuit of us through the life and death of Christ. God's pursuit of us is manifested at the cross. At the cross, God carried our weight and darkness 
and showed us his sacrificial love. A love that is willing to die for us. The cross is our Mount Sinai where we meet God. It is the extension of God's promise to Abraham and his descendants to all of us who would have the faith that Abraham had. The cross is the promise for the whole world. This covenant extended to all of us. So instead of, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from Egypt, the cross is where God says, I am the Lord your God who loved you and died for you. And this is what St. Paul came to know when he made his confession. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. At the cross, God's one-way love for us becomes a two-way covenant when we respond to that love with gratitude by being crucified together with Christ. Our new life in Christ takes on the shape of the cross, self-giving, loving, being vulnerable, humble, and willing to sacrifice and serve others. This is the cross-shaped, cruciform life we enter into. At the cross, God marks us as his own. It is where we fully know who we are and whose we are. When we are claimed by Christ, we are set apart for the way of Christ in this world. So when life resumes again, our world will be in need of healing. We all know that. There will be scars to mend and injustices to attend to. Jesus came to heal and lift up the weak and vulnerable so too will we be called to be Christ's healing presence among those who suffer in our midst. You are God's people. We are God's people. In this time of wilderness, let us come to the cross. Let us meet our God who died for us, and find healing for our wounds. At the cross, Jesus gives us a new commandment. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That is our new commandment. 
We are God's people. We are Christ's disciples. Let us love one another. Let us sing together.